Welcome to the Stories from India podcast. A happy Thanksgiving to all listeners, especially those in North America. I know I said I'd continue the story of the Ramayana on Sunday, but I just have to say a huge thank you to all of you for your feedback. To show my appreciation, here's a bonus episode. Since Thanksgiving is all about being together with family, I picked a couple of stories that are somewhat on that theme. And I don't just mean all the coddling and hair pulling between kids. In case this is your first episode, let me quickly introduce myself. I am Narad Muni and I'm a mythological character myself. I have the gift of eternal life and knowledge of the past, the present and the future. I'm a traveling musician and a storyteller by profession. I used to walk around with a veena for several millennia, but podcasting has made my job so much easier. This story begins high in the Himalayas at Mount Kailash, where Shiva lived with his family. Shiva is one of the holy trinity. He is the destroyer, while Vishnu is the preserver and Brahma is the creator. Oh, and Brahma also happens to be my dad. Yeah, I'm a celebrity of sorts. Anyway, back to Shiva and his family. His family was his partner Parvati and his two sons, Kartikeya and Ganesh. Kartikeya was a regular human-looking godchild with a peacock for his vehicle. And so was Ganesh. Except Ganesh had an elephant's head and four arms and a mouse for his vehicle. How he was born and how he got to have an elephant's head is an interesting story by itself. Shiva and Parvati lived in Mount Kailash by themselves. Once Shiva was off on a trip, possibly scouting out the next thing that needed destruction. Parvati was by herself in Mount Kailash. She decided to take a bath. The only way a proper bath was taken in those days was in a river. She did worry about something though, her privacy. It's not like there are any paparazzos around or any innocent passers-by. This is the middle of the Himalayas we are talking about, but it never hurts to be safe. So she solved her privacy problem by creating a guard. Parvati is a goddess, remember? and she has all kinds of awesome powers she shaped a boy out of clay and breathed life into him pretty much like elsa creating olaf in disney's frozen movies she named the boy ganesh ganesh had one task don't allow anyone to approach parvati while she had her bath she kind of forgot to mention anything about Shiva. You know, that he's her husband and really should not be prevented from entering his own home. And as she went off to her bath with Ganesh on sentry duty, that's precisely what happened. Shiva came back and ran into Ganesh. Ganesh's first impression was that this was exactly the person his mom warned him about. And Shiva was offended that there was a stranger in his home. And why should he not be offended? 
He had no idea that Parvati had created this person and that that person therefore was his son. It's not like she updated her Instagram feed or anything for him to pick up on that piece of information. So, mildly annoyed, he tried to dismiss Ganesh, who was trying to dismiss him. Unfortunately, this escalated pretty quickly. In a fight between a boy made out of clay and, you know, the destroyer, there could only have been one winner. Shiva swiftly beheaded Ganesh. He walked in and called out, Honey, I'm home. Welcome back, said Parvati, who had just completed her bath. Did you have a good... Oh my God, what is that? She screamed as she saw the lifeless and headless body of her son. Shiva quickly explained how he had protected his home from the stranger, very much expecting at least a a my hero exclamation from Parvati. That's why he was shocked when Parvati got angry. Parvati is an avatar of Shakti, which is pure energy. And as Parvati's anger escalated, not just Shiva, but all gods took notice. She was going to destroy the universe. She had unlimited power. Because as you may know from middle school physics, power is the rate of change of energy. And Parvati had limitless energy at her disposal. Everyone begged her not to. And finally, she agreed, on three conditions. Restore my Ganesh, bump him to the top of the list in the Whom to Worship handbooks, and welcome him back with a lot of modaks. Modaks are a kind of sweet dumplings that are incredibly tasty, but are definitely not slimming by any means. Just take a look at any idol of Ganesh and you'll know what I mean. Shiva started working on action item number one, while other lesser gods action two and three. Shiva definitely lacked Parvati's talent for molding clay into shapes. So he went a different route. He ordered a replacement head for the lifeless body. He instructed his followers to bring him the head of the first dead creature that was facing north. That creature was an elephant. Shiva attached the elephant head to Ganesh and breathed life back into him. Ganesh was a very wise child, and he knew better than to attack the stranger who had decapitated him once already. Parvati quickly introduced father and son to each other. This family of three lived happily together. Until Kartikeya was born. After that, the family of four lived happily together. In some versions of the story, Kartikeya was the older son. But in those versions, it isn't explained where Kartikeya was when Parvati needed someone for sentry duty. The second story is also about the same family. Just as they were sitting down to a big and lavish family dinner, as many of you listeners may be doing this very day, They had a very illustrious, charming, handsome, clever, and smart visitor. Of course, I'm talking about me. I had received a mango from somewhere. Never mind where. It's a long story by itself. 
All that matters is that the mango would bring limitless wisdom to whomever ate it. Of course, I already had the gift of endless knowledge, I was immortal and could travel anywhere and anytime. Besides those gifts, I already had limitless wisdom, of course. So I didn't want to waste the mango on me. I thought it would be a fitting present for Shiva and Parvati's kids. Last Diwali, they had gifted me an electric veena with an inbuilt auto-tuner that totally improved my playing. I just had to express my gratitude somehow. I kind of liked both kids. They were really smart, both of them. And I brought them my autobiography, along with a bonus collection of my greatest hits on the Veena. I was well received as always. They invited me to join them at dinner, which I did. It was delicious as always. After dinner, as we sat by the fireplace, I offered my gifts. The mango and my autobiography. As soon as I explained what the mango was, Parvati offered to cut it in half for each of her sons. She had limitless wisdom already, and so did Shiva. Ah, I said, you can't really cut it. It must be consumed by a single person to have effect. Hearing this, Ganesh and Kartikeya immediately started quarreling about who would get the mango and who would get my book instead. They each wanted the other to have the book. Such selfless kids, how nice of them. Shiva and Parvati suggested a contest instead. The winner would get the mango. You mean the winner would get my book, I thought, but I didn't say. This was probably some kind of family tradition here. The kids agreed, though Ganesh seemed a little reluctant to tear himself away from his plateful of modaks that he had started on right after dinner. The contest, the parents announced, was a race. Circle the world, three laps, go. As soon as I heard that, I thought this was an unfair contest. I'll explain why. Most gods and goddesses have their own vehicles. For Vishnu, it's Garuda. A big bird or a man with giant wings. For Durga, it's a lion or a tiger. For Kartikeya, it's a peacock and a swift one at that. Ganesha's ride is a tiny mouse. Forgetting about the Himalayas being such a cold and inhospitable place for mice, how could a land animal cross oceans? I thought this race was designed to make Kartikeya win. But Ganesh was not bothered. In fact, he turned his attention back to his modaks. Kartikeya whistled for his peacock and leapt onto him as the majestic bird flew over. Together, they set off, speeding through the skies. Ganesh kept on eating his modaks, hardly upset. In fact, he looked positively calm and cheerful, as if the sight of Kartikeya flying away actually made Ganesh more confident of victory. It was quite puzzling at the time. Within minutes, Kartikeya zoomed into view, screaming, One! very loudly. He had a big smile on his face as he saw Ganesh had hardly moved. Ganesh continued on the modaks. 
His mouse was about though. Another few minutes and Kartikeya zoomed by again shouting too. His expression was first of joy since Ganesha was still busy with his modaks but very quickly changed to suspicion. What did Ganesha know that he didn't? Regardless, there was only one thing to do, keep going faster. Finally, having finished his modaks, Ganesh sat on his mouse. I was expecting some action from him. The tension must have been visible on all our faces. But Ganesh only calmly flicked a speck of dust off one of his four sleeves. Oh, he's just starting now. Is it even worth the trouble? I thought to myself. Kartikeya would be back any time now. However, to our collective surprise, Ganesh went around Shiva and Parvati and completed the third circuit just as Kartikeya was returning. Kartikeya came back and said, I don't want to hear anything about it not being a level playing field. I win by the rules, fair and square. If Ganesh picked a mouse, that's his fault. Ganesh was calm. Don't worry, he said. It was a level playing field. But you have to admit, the definition of world is pretty subjective. It may mean different things for you and me. Yes, you did go around the physical world, and I went around my world. My parents mean the world to me. This was a very wise thought, and we all had to agree, including Kartikeya. Touche, bro, he said to Ganesh. In fact, Ganesh's wisdom made me wonder if the fruit would just be wasted on Ganesh given how wise he already was. But he did win the contest. And so, Kartikeya got my book. He didn't look very happy, but that was probably from exertion from his flight around the world. That's it for this week. Some notes on the show. This is just one of several origin stories of Ganesh. And Ganesh's head has several origin stories too. In some versions, it's the head of an elephant-headed demon. The mango story may remind you of the hare and the tortoise story from Aesop's fables. But they differ on a fundamental aspect. The tortoise won that race purely out of luck and not out of anything he did actively. There was no way anyone could even guess that the hare would decide to take a nap. I mean, who does that in the middle of a race? However, Ganesh wins this one by applying logic. He has the situation well under his own control, unlike the tortoise. As the stories show, family is family. We may sometimes misunderstand each other and make mistakes, or we may compete with each other, but what matters is that we always stick together and be fair to each other. Again, thank you listeners for all your feedback. It really helps improve the show. And again, I want to wish my listeners a very happy Thanksgiving. The music is from purpleplanet.com. That's purple-planet.com. We'll continue with the Ramayana on Sunday. See you then.